0: We've got a couple of minutes before we're actually supposed to start. Um, if you think about it today, pray for our camp board. They have a meeting this morning, and uh, Pastor Chad obviously is on the camp board, and so pray for them as they're walking through some things. And um, I don't have to be there. Yes. This is my, this is my uh, year off, so I'm not on the camp board. Um, change, of, change of plans, Sam. I'm going to need this. Somebody just came up and shared something with me, and do we love testimonies or what? Amen? Amen. Amen. Ooh, man. So I introduced my twin 11-year-old nephews at the beginning of the week, and I, I love to come to camp, I love all the activities, I love having fun, I love all that, but that's should be the afterthought to why we're here. And during family devotional time this morning, we talked with my nephews about what sin is and who Jesus Christ is. And they put their trust and faith in Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. There's a specific reason why I had him do that, because I couldn't. All right. So, here's what I want to do this morning. Before, we've got about 10 minutes or so before we get rolling with the message. So, what I'd like to do is... I want you to encourage me this morning by telling me not what you're learning from God's Word, but where you're reading. What, what are you doing for devotions? What are you reading? And, and you don't have to go, well, I'm learning, you know, this or that. But just tell me, like, I'm in Second Chronicles, or, you know, I am just loving the book of Leviticus, uh, or, or whatever, it, whatever it might be, okay? So I'm going to start over here. You guys, what, what are you reading for Scripture? You've got to be loud, because I'm not going to run around with the microphone. I usually make somebody else do that, but I'm not going to do that. So, what are you reading in your devotions? James, James, okay. (laughs) St. Charles. (laughs) They're reading the Bible. Genesis, good. Hebrews. Hebrews, love Hebrews. Good stuff. Anybody else? Luke, okay, good. Anybody else? Matthew, Ephesians, good. All right, excellent. Let's go here. What do you get? Hebrews? Colossians. Colossians. Proverbs, Proverbs, Isaiah? Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Progress. How many of you guys have read that? Do you know next to the Bible that is, I believe, statistically, the most published book is Pilgrim's Progress? I believe that's true. I could be wrong. I usually am. All right. Nehemiah, ooh, good one, good one. Anybody else? Psalms, okay, good, good. My clear, my uh, clear, like my uh, Oski people are ready because we do this at our church all the time. I'm constantly asking them where where are they reading, what are they doing. Anybody else? Okay. Deut- Deuteronomy, aren't you living the life? Oh, you're reading through, so you just happen to be there. Okay, good. Good. All right. Over here. Let's do this section. Over here. All right. Oski people. Go. Hebrews. Hebrews. He, Hebrews. Good. Somebody else say Hebrews. Okay. Good. Thank you. What else? Proverbs. Proverbs. Psalms. Psalms. Ruth. Ruth. Nice. 1 John. Excellent. Joshua and Proverbs. Good. Anybody else? Psalms. Psalms. Excellent. All right. Good. Good job there. What about my little flock over here of little gazelles? What are you guys reading? Esther. Esther. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Luke. Luke. Isaiah. Isaiah. Joshua. Joshua. Good. Acts. Acts. Excellent. Anybody else? Romans. Romans. Love Romans. Okay, good, good. You know, I tried to be really sneaky when I put together the notes, and I got to looking, and every single day I gave it away. Is that why you said Esther, or are you really reading in Esther? Okay, good, because I'm going to talk about Esther this morning. But, um, so a couple of things. Um, I want to encourage you to be busy about reading God's Word, Okay? And the the easiest plan that I know of is straight-up Proverbs, okay? There's 31 chapters of Proverbs. In most months, there's either 30 or 31 days except February, which is 28. So whatever the date is, you read that chapter of Proverbs. So today is the 23rd. So today you would read Proverbs. (laughs) Again, dealing with the St. Charles group. All right. We're going to do some remedial math with you guys after a while. Wow. <laughs> Always one step ahead. Good. So you, you do that. So tomorrow you would read 24 or 25, and, and you would just work with that at, through the whole month. So at the end of the month, even though there's 30 days, you would just skip chapter 31 for that month. Go back to the first of the month. Start all over again. The same with uh, February. Just read through Proverbs 28 skip to the next month and go. And what you'll do is you'll continually be reading through Proverbs and you're like, well, that'll get boring. No, it won't. Because every time you go through, you will pick up something new. In fact, what will eventually happen is you will get to the place where things will happen in your life and you will say, oh, you know what? There's a proverb for that and you might not be able to come up with the address, but you will know the book of Proverbs. And, and which one of us doesn't need a little bit more wisdom, right? And what does James tell us? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. God will give it to you liberally, and he will not, not hold back from you, all right? So we all need wisdom. Proverbs is a great place to start. You want to add a little something to that? I like to do Psalms and Proverbs together. You read five Psalms, okay? Here's the deal. 150 Psalms, 30 days in the average month. You're going to cover the book of Psalms in 30 days, all right? On the months that you have, 31 days, you save Psalm 119, because it takes a week and a half to read it, and you put it on the 31st. On the 28th, the month of February, you just go, ha, ha, I don't have to read that one, all right? But you work your way through, and so if you do those two things together, in every month you can read all the way through Proverbs, all the way through Psalms. And that's that's just good stuff. Okay, it's it's just helpful. All right. Um, so one of the things that I've started to do, uh, I, I heard about this at the national conference at the end of June, so the beginning of July. I started a program, and it's uh, Professor Horner's uh, Bible reading plan. Now, how many of you have a smartphone? I think we did this the other day. All right, you have a smartphone. How many of you have the U Bible app? On it, it's just a little brown, Just it says Holy Bible on it, okay? And and so uh, if you go into there, go down into plans, click plans, it will come up, and then there'll be a little search bar. Type in prof, P-R-O-F, period, Horner. It will pop up, and it will look something like this. There you go, okay? that's that's. I just want you to really see the picture of of the guy, because that's what you need. Now, here's the deal. It breaks the Bible down into 10 units, okay? Now, the first unit is the Gospels, and then there's all these other units. Psalms is a unit, Proverbs is a unit, uh, Acts is a unit, all right? And what you do is you start out, and because I'm OCD just a little bit, I have to start at the first of the month because if the dates don't line up right, it just drives me insane. And besides that, I can't be a month or a day ahead because I just, I can't function like that. It's just wrong, all right? So uh, what what I did was is I started. So the first time I read, you read 10 chapters a day. That sounds like a lot, but it doesn't take that long. And I'm going to tell you my trick to doing this. All right, Uh, so you you read like Matthew 1 and then all these other chapter 1s, and eventually you're going to run out of Proverbs, right? You're going to run out of Acts. There's only 28 chapters in Acts. The beauty of this is, is that every month it's different. Even when you finish a section and you start it over again, it's different. And so you can go online and go to the website to put this together. They, they have a PDF, and you can run off the PDF, cut out the pieces. You'll have 10 bookmarks. You can put those in your Bible, and you can do it that way. Or you can do it online like I do. All right? So every morning I get up, and uh, I also have another one that I do. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm double-dipping on my devotions until I get done with the month of July, and then I'm going to stick with, with uh, Professor Horner's. But what I do is... Um, I'm a little ADHD along with my, you know, I got issues, people, all right? Uh, But here's the deal. Uh, I I start reading scripture, and pretty soon I'm like, there's a butterfly. And I have a hard time focusing. So what I do is I listen, all right? And I use a different version than what I preach out of and what I study out of. Uh, when I am doing my own personal devotions, and I listen to that, but also as you listen, it, it is it is going through the text, so I can listen and follow along at the same time. That works great for me. Might not work for you. Works great for me. I do everything at one and a half speed. All right, all my all my uh, Bible reading, everything's at one and a half speed. Uh, my uh, podcasts are and and I listen to podcasts at regular speed and i 'm like, these people have been drinking, but I get used to that and, and it works best for me. remember a little ocd got I got I to gotta keep moving all right and so that's that 's one of the things that I do. So I would encourage you if you have a smartphone, if you have a computer, and most of us do to to look up pastor or excuse me, Professor Horner his Bible reading. Uh, program, and try that. I am doing it. I'm on the 23rd day. It's really good. I'm coming to the end of Matthew, and uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the middle of uh, the general epistles, and, and it's just really good, and it's encouraging, and here's the deal. It is not for you to study God's Word, okay? It is for you to get the big overview, because you're ripping through 10 chapters a day, You don't have time to, oh, wait, I didn't get that. i got to back up and pick that. Nope, don't worry about it. You'll get it the next time. Okay? You want to do Bible study, do Bible study separately. But this is just simply to get you into God's Word, get the flow, get you to love the narratives. I love the narratives, especially of the Old Testament. I don't like to call them stories because, to me, stories carries the connotation of something that's made up. Okay? I don't know if, if that fits for you or not, but it does for me. So I like narratives because if I give you a narrative, it's not just a story I made up, but it's here's what happened, okay? So I like narratives. I love the narratives of the Old Testament, and, and, and I use that, and I, I, I love that, okay? And so I uh, encourage you to do that. also, in that same app, uh, there is, and I, I don't even know what it's called but uh, there, uh, in the read-through-the-Bible section, you can pick up each month. It's broken the Bible down into 12 sections. And uh, each month, you can just hit, like, January, and it'll give you the full readout for January, and you follow that. It's exactly, you know, how many ever days of the month. And each day, you'll read three to five chapters and, and, and follow that through. And so I, I have, because of this app... And because of reading, listening and reading at the same time, I've been able to go completely through the Bible probably three or four times in the last three or four years. And and if you haven't done that, it, it just, there's a continuity and a flow through the scriptures. and And then, you know... I absolutely just just love the narratives and, and that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing this week is because I, I not only get to preach God's word, but I'm gonna get to share with you stories. We talked about Noah and the story yesterday. We're gonna look at Esther today, and I know I just blew it. I just give it all away because that's what I do best, right? All right, so you got that? I just wanna encourage you and 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 see if God can use that in your life. If you have questions about that come and see me i, I absolutely love to, to I, and i've done this with folks in our church that they're like i looked and i can't find the professor horner thing so i get their phone and we walk through it together and and uh, and we find that but it shouldn't be too tough so how many of you have already looked that up i love it that's awesome you guys bless my gizzard all right if you don't know where your gizzard is you need you need to take biology again all right we ready to roll Wow! All right, never mind, we're going home. All right, hey, listen, we're going to go uh, once again on the track. We're going to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses found in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and as we do, we, we, we say goodbye to Noah. I had Noah yesterday, say goodbye to Noah. And, and, and we see this woman descending from the stadium stands. You can see that she is uh, dressed immaculately. Her clothes are vibrantly colored, appears to be made of the finest silk. She is wearing jewelry and a crown studded with beautiful, precious gems. Her grace and her beauty leads us to believe that she is some sort of royalty. Now that she's getting closer, you can see that she's an older woman, a mature woman, that she is breathtakingly beautiful. She comes alongside us and seems to glide in step with us as we continue down the track. She says, I must tell you something very, very important. God has a place for you. God has a a, a place for you. Her voice is gentle, but it's strong. It's pleasing to the ear. We look into her eyes and she simply says, I am Esther. And so this morning we're going to look at the life of Esther. We're going to look at the, the book of Esther. I'm having a problem here. I'm pushing the button, and wait a minute, it says zero 05 on it. Hang on. I don't know what's going on here. I broke it. That works. That's fun. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Give me a second. i There we go. Our, our, our topic this morning is my battle with purpose from the book of Esther. My battle with purpose from the book of Esther. And here's, here's my big idea this morning. Every believer must recognize that God has a purpose for your life. Now, I know this sounds almost like what we talked about yesterday, but, but this is... This is different. You can impact people's lives. We talked about that yesterday. But God has purpose for you. One of my memories as a youngster, not really that young, but I I, I love this illustration because for some of you that were alive, uh, you remember the 1992 presidential uh, race, it was, I think, the first year that Ross Perot ran. I might be wrong about that. Ross Perot just passed away. And my my favorite description of Ross Perot, this has nothing to do with anything, but I'm going to tell you anyway, is Rush Limbaugh called him a sawed-off little hand grenade with a bad haircut. <laughs> uh, you know, and you go, oh, yeah, that fits. All right. So he's, he's running for president, and he has a vice presidential running mate, and and his name was, you guys remember, that's awesome, General Stockton, James Stockton, and he's at the debate, and he's debating against Dan Quayle and Al Gore, and I mean, this thing went nuclear from the moment it started, I mean, Gore and Quayle are just chirping at each other, and finally, the moderator looks up, and he says, uh, Mr. Stockdale, you know, you, you, you want to comment? You want to say anything? It's, I kid you not. Stockdale looks right in the camera and he goes, "Who am I? And why am I here?" Because nobody knew him. He's a third-party candidate. He's an independent. And I, I've always thought that that was so funny. That that here's a guy that just admits, "Here I am, but I have no idea why I'm here." Some of you guys remember the the the. Uh, let's see, how do we say this uh, uh, Christianly? Uh, effective, uh, the video of Men in Black. And uh, they're, they're taking the test, you know, and the main character says, uh, why are we here? Guy jumps up, we're here because we're the best, of the best, of the best, sir! And he says, uh, Captain America over there, uh, it's all excited and he has no idea why we're here either. You know, so why are we here? What are we doing? What is our purpose? Okay, so think about this for a minute. Ravi Zacharias has said that there are four key questions that that we of life that we need to deal with. They deal with origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Here are the four key questions that go with those issues. Where did I come from? Where am I going? How should I live? Or excuse me, let me try again. Where did I come from? Why am I here? How should I live, and where am I going? Now, this morning, what we want to do is really concentrate on why am I here, where am I going? If ever there was someone with a strong sense of place and destiny, it's Esther. However, for many years, she didn't realize that God had a very special place for her, a a place where she could really serve him. For much of my life, she might say, I felt out of place. My parents died when I was very young, and I was adopted by my uncle Mordecai. There were times when I felt out of place in his home. As I grew up in a strange country with different customs again, I felt out of place. Being a simple girl, being brought to the king's court, made me feel out of place as well. So this morning, we want to look at some things in Esther's life that can help us kind of draw down on the fact that God is in control, God is sovereign, and there's a reason why you are where you are in life, okay? So we're going to begin with a walkthrough of the book of Esther. Now, I'm going to, to, to do this here, and then when we get done, if we have time, I want to share with you from the book of Esther some of, you guys are beginning to understand my warped sense of humor, amen? Are you, are you beginning to understand who I am? And Okay, there are things in the scripture that I see, in the narratives of scripture, and I'm just like, God has such a sense of humor that he put that in, allowed that to be put in the scriptures, and and I want to talk about that if we have time at the end, all right? But Esther lived her life in the time when the Hebrews had been taken from their homeland, and they are exiled to Persia. She suffered many hardships in her life, but she also received a rare opportunity. When King Uh, Asherah of Persia sought a new queen, and the story, I mean, are are you loving the book of Esther? Are you loving the book of Esther? Sorry, I'm talking to you, and you're not looking at me, okay. (laughs) Just, if if you guys aren't reading the Old Testament, you are missing out. There's some great stuff. So, anyway, long story short, uh, the king gets rid of the queen. And he's looking for a new queen. So uh, she, Esther suffered many hardships in her life. She also received a rare, rare opportunity. So he gathers all of the maidens of, of the kingdom together, the most beautiful unmarried women in the land, and brought them together and prepared them to be presented to him. Okay? So it's not like they just went and got a shower and a new set of clothes. This was like a year-long process. Alright? And so they worked and worked. Included in that group of women was Esther. And even though she was a Jew, a fact that she didn't share with anybody, she kind of kept it to herself, she delighted, or to her delight, and that of Mordecai. Here's a shocker. The king looks at her and says, that's the one I want for the queen. Okay? Remember, we believe in the sovereignty of God. Amen? Nothing happens ever by chance. True? Okay, you don't sound like you're sure. Okay, because here's the deal. If we're going to walk with God, we have to trust him. If we're going to trust him, we have to know he is in control. He is sovereign over everything. Even some of the bad things that we see in our lives, we think they're bad. But we learned last night that it's in the bad times that God is doing incredible things. Amen? Come on, guys. Let's wake up. Got to stay with me this morning, all right? So it looks like Esther's life is destined to be happy. What a storybook, right? I mean, she's this adopted girl, and she's just a plain, simple girl. And the king says, I want you to be my queen. And life is good, right? Well, it doesn't always work out like that, because an official named Haman enters the scene, and his thing is that he doesn't like the Jews. Now, to say that he doesn't like the Jews is it's like saying some of you people don't like Brussels sprouts. You hate them, okay? Okay? For me, it's like oysters. I'll eat just about it. Not an oyster. I hate oysters. Okay? So he hates them. And and, and, and by using, I mean, red hot hate the Jews. His plan is to eliminate, execute, get rid completely of the Jews. Because he holds a grudge against one man. Uncle... Mordecai. It says in Esther that Uncle Mordecai, everybody else bows down to Haman. Oh, Haman, you're awesome. Mordecai says, not going to do it. Wouldn't be wise. Not going to do it. And he won't bow. And it just absolutely drives Haman nuts to the point where he doesn't want to kill Mordecai. He wants to kill everybody that's a Jew, and so uh, as as things go on, uh, he uh, develops a plan. Haman develops a plan. Mordecai finds out about the plan. He sought Esther's help to save the people. Mordecai wanted Esther to go in and appeal to the king. No big deal, right? You just stroll right in and and talk to the queen, talk to the king, right? No, it doesn't work that way. What we find is that Esther not only finds her place, but she knows her place. Let me ask you this. Have there been times when you felt you were in a place you didn't belong? You struggled with having a sense of purpose. I think, I think we, we feel that way at times. Sometimes we lack a close relationship with others. Other times, we question our ability to do a task set before us. We just simply feel out of place. We fear sometimes that we may never feel at home. We're never going to fit in. And I think that Esther understands that kind of thinking. That that the saints of the Old Testament are people just like us, and they have some of the same struggles, and we we see that in their lives. Esther understands. All of her life, I I think she kind of felt a little out of place, having been dislocated from her family, from her culture, and from her country. But she then encourages us as we're making this lap around the track, and and she says this, and if you're going to write something down this morning, I didn't put it on the PowerPoint, but write this down. She says, no place is out of place when you're in God's place. No place is out of place when you're in God's place. No place is out of place when you're in God's place. She continues her story. Mordecai's request, Uncle Mordecai's request to her was not a small thing. You need to understand, for Esther to try to make a difference for her people, she would, it would take great courage. At the time, if anyone who had not been summoned to see the king appear before him and he wasn't pleased, that person would be put to death immediately. So it's not it's not like you can just go busting into the throne room, and say, yo, king, need to talk to you a minute. I need, I need, can we, can we have a conversation? It doesn't work like that. Unless for whatever reason, the king would say, Raj, I need to see you. Then you better just stay where you're at. Because that was the way the protocol was of that day. If she went to him on her own, she would be risking her life uncle Mordecai comes and says, listen, there is this plan to wipe out the Jews and you needs must go to the king. And she, Whoa, time out. I can't make that happen. He hasn't called for me in a long time. I don't see any reason why he's going to call for me. And so I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. She did not yet understand that God had uniquely placed her exactly where he wanted her to be. And at first, she refused. Take your Bibles. You're in, you should be in Esther and take a look at Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of verses there this morning. At first, she just says, "Nope, not going to happen. I, I, don't, I can't do that. Esther chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. She says, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think. That you being in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether or not you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't know what's going on in your life. I can't know. But I do know this. God is sovereign. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he has you exactly in the place where he wants you. God doesn't make mistakes. So if you're in a job that you hate, you need to take a hard look at that and say, okay, God, how can you use me here? What am I supposed to learn? If you're walking through health issues, listen, in, in loving the sovereignty of God, we submit to God's authority. Have we talked about submission? Oh, yeah, we did. So you're going to submit to God's authority. So things are going to come into your life that God is going to allow, Job chapter 1. And they may be things that you don't want, you don't like, you wouldn't choose for yourself, right? But God has allowed them. So we ask, God, what do you want me to learn? How can you use me in this situation? You know, many of you have, have shared with me stories about how you just ended up here this week. You know, maybe you weren't supposed to come or 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 something like that, and and, and all of a sudden everything fell together. All the circumstances came and and you got to come. Yes. I got news for you. That wasn't good luck. And it wasn't just how things fell together and it wasn't circumstances. It is the sovereign hand of God. If you're here today, this week, this is where God wants you. God has something for you this week. That's how his sovereignty works. And so Mordecai's words here changed how Esther felt about herself. For the first time, baby, she realized that God had a place for her. There was a purpose for her. There was a spot for her. There was something for her to do. Her hesitation was replaced by direction. Her hesitation is, is replaced by direction. Her questions are dissolved in a new found conviction. She's ready to take action. She's ready to move forward. And Scripture describes her immediate response in verses 15 and 16. Esther chapter 4, verses 15, look look at this. It says, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. She sends this message back. Go, gather all the Jews that are found in Susa to hold fast on my behalf. Hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, three days, night or day. And my, I and my young women will fast also. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. We're gonna fast. We're gonna ask God's blessing on this thing. Then <sighs> I'm gonna go see the king. I'm gonna go do this. And you know what? If I die, I die. Because it's far more important to follow hard after God than it is to worry about. Our own safety. Worry about what people think. Worry about what might happen. How, how many of you have ever worried about something, and then and then you go through it and you get on the other side and you're like, that was nothing, and I was all wound up about it. You know, we, we do stuff like that, and and the reality is is that it, is we get all worked up about stuff. You know, had a little guy in our church and, and he had to go get some cavities taken care of and 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 he just was beside himself so worried and and he didn't want to go and and his mom you know and, and they were just scared to death how this thing was going to turn out and it was one of those dentist office where you know parents sit down in the chair we'll take the youngster you know and and strap them down tie them down you know do whatever and, and that kind of thing and I understand that I hate the dentist and yes I'm using the word hate Okay? If you're here and you're a dentist, sorry, don't like you. Alright? Or don't like what you do. I went in to get a, to get a root canal when I was in, at faith. And the only reason I went to this dentist is they had a huge sign out in front that said, we cater to cowards. <laughs> so I go in and they told me I needed a root canal. And I said, fine. You earn your money today. And they said, well, don't worry about it because we'll give you some gas to relax you. And then we'll do the Novocaine and you won't, you won't even care. And I said, okay. So they put me in the chair and I lay back and, and they put the thing, you know, the gas on my nose. And she says, put your finger on that and hold it right there. And she goes, breathe normally. I'll be right back. She walks out. I went, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing that. She comes back in. I'm like sideways in the chair. She's like, how you feeling? I don't care. <laughs> She said, would you like headphones? I want headphones, yes. They had, in Des Moines, they had KIOA on, and, and that was the oldies. And, you know, she puts the thing on. I start singing. I mean, I am a mess. You know, and they're doing the root canal. And you remember things. So, like, I'm sitting there, and I just come from faith, so I've got my dress clothes on. And, and the doctor, I hear him say, we need to give him another shot of Novocaine. And the lady goes, why would we do that? And she says, well, he says, look at his feet and i could feel pressure no pain but i could feel him putting pressure in my mouth and i could feel my feet grinding together cuz i had my legs crossed cuz i'm just relaxed you know so they get, so we got all through that and, and everything and there's there's a whole other part of that that i don't have time for this morning but but just to realize that sometimes you need to just go you know what i got to get this done and i'm going to trust god to get me through it esther came to realize that the privileges that she enjoyed were not just for her pleasure. They had been, she had been put in that place for a purpose. Courage and initiative came, come rather, when you understand your purpose in life. Your purpose is to glorify God in all that you do. Your purpose is to be pleasing to him. According to God's word, he is in the process of conforming us to the image of Christ. And as the folks at Oskaloosa hear me say quite often, another one of our purposes is that we are to follow hard after him, diligently seeking him. Hebrews eleven six. 6. So as we, we think about that, when, when Esther... What she experienced here, this idea of courage and initiative come when you understand your purpose in life. I ran across this quote. I thought it was really good from Winston Churchill. Listen listen to what he said. In every age, there comes a time when a leader must come forward to meet the needs of the hour. Therefore, there is no potential leader who does not have an opportunity to make a positive difference in society. Tragically, he said, there are times when a leader does not... Rise to the hour. When we walk with God, when we serve him, we must rise to the hour. What has God got for you? There's a purpose. There's a reason for everything that happens in our lives. You may not like it. You may not want it. We talked about that. But God is at work, and he's using that stuff that you don't like to make you more like Jesus. Jesus. You know, the idea of being conformed to the image of Christ is like a sculptor. Somebody asks a sculptor, how do you you sculpt stuff? And he goes, well, if I'm going to make a statue, I just knock away everything that doesn't look like what I want it to be. And what God is doing in our lives is knocking away all the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. And frankly, that hurts a little bit. But he has a plan, he has a purpose, and he knows what he's doing. So, I want to look at Esther's words of encouragement to us. God not only has a place for us, but he has placed us where he needs us. He's placed us where he wants us. And the decision is ours whether or not we will do what we can where we are. Everybody's in a different place. There's not one of us in here that our life circumstances are exactly the same as somebody else. So let's look at Esther's words of encouragement to us. Her life story in and of itself ought to be a great encouragement. It's, it's reassuring to remember that God always has a plan and a purpose for our lives. God is always with us, always knows us, and we need to know that God desires to use us. No matter where we are or where we find ourselves, God is desiring to use us. Doctrinally, again, we're talking about God's sovereignty, his power over all. We're talking about God's providence, his absolute ability to bring his plan to fruition and his purpose to completion. But Esther isn't done with us. As we make the final turn of the track and we're coming back around, she's going to give us this morning three principles about purpose. Three principles about purpose. For a period of time, you may not understand what God is planning and the purpose for your life. For a period of time you may not understand God's planning a purpose for your life. That was certainly true for Esther, a lot of her life. She didn't know what, what was going on. If you are in that season of life where you don't understand God's plan, take heart. Don't give up, don't give in. Keep your focus on Jesus, walk with God. Follow hard after him, okay? You, you. Here's the deal. I saw this the other day and I thought it was really cool because I use this illustration all the time, and then somebody else used it, and I was like, that does sound good. How many of you are jigsaw people? You love jigsaw puzzles. My wife is a jigsaw fanatic. She has a big jigsaw puzzle board that she does, and so we've almost always got a jigsaw going. In, in the house, and then she has one on her iPad, and I would venture guess even at this moment, she might be. Oh, you're not? Okay, just checking. All right, because <laughs> because she she just she does, it helps her to think. It really does. I don't know how that works because I'm too OCD. I'd be like, oh, okay, but she. So here's the deal. Those of you that do jigsaws. You get the box, you pour it out, you separate out all the edge pieces and you put all the color schemes together and then you begin and you look at the box. You trust whoever it was that put that puzzle together that they know the big picture and you're working on one piece at a time, right? Can you not trust God? Is God not smarter and better equipped to handle your life? When we get one piece at a time and we're looking at the the that piece in our life, that moment in our life, and we're going, I I don't get it, I don't see how this works, I don't see how it fits together. It's why I don't do jigsaws. I do jigsaws with a pair of scissors. <laughs> oh, it <that> doesn't fit. <laughs> Snip fits now. I call it abstract jigsaw puzzles. All right. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? You may not know exactly what's going on. Have faith. Remain obedient. When you do not understand his plan or purpose, trust his sovereignty. Trust his goodness. Trust his faithfulness. Go back and rehearse. What do I know about God? A number of years ago now, our family suffered what to me was a devastating loss. Our oldest daughter, eight months pregnant, called me up. She said, Dad, we're on our way to the hospital. I can't feel the baby. I said, that's not how it works. I literally had to go we were living here in Clark like, Had to go to Mason City and get new tires on our vehicle because we couldn't drive to Des Moines without new tires. We drove down there. We got there, and our worst fears were cons- confirmed. Our baby had passed away in vitro. And I walked through one of the hardest things that I think I could have. We sat with her until she delivered that perfectly formed child. And after all the testing and everything was done, there was absolutely nothing wrong with her, her husband, or that baby. It was a God thing. Okay? Now, here's what I did with my family. As we gathered around that bed, as she lay there waiting to deliver that child... I said to them, what do we know about God? And we rehearsed that God is sovereign. We rehearsed God is sovereign. His plan and his will are perfect. Even though we don't like it, even though we don't want it, he is sovereign. God is good. Even though We didn't get to hold that baby and enjoy her life. And we rehearse. We walk through all the things that we know and we believe about God. Let me tell you something. If you don't study, if you don't know God, when those times come, you have nothing to fall back on. I tell our folks all the time, you got to make spiritual deposits. Deposit spiritual truth. Because there comes times in our lives when we got to go make a withdrawal. And it better be there. Now, don't I sound spiritual? Two days later, three days later, when we left the hospital, we were all going out to my daughter's apartment. And I was in my truck, Lynn was in her vehicle. I got in that truck, and I had a little heart to heart with God. And I cried out, and I let Him know how bad I hurt. And I told him, this is not how it's supposed to work. You don't go to the hospital. You don't, you don't wait for a baby to come and then leave without the baby. You just, you don't, it doesn't work that way. God said, this time it does. And so we trust him. We don't like it. We don't want it. But we trust him. And I could see in your faces that some of you walk through that same deep water. And it's hard. It is hard. God is faithful. He knows what he's doing. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. Number two, when you realize God's purpose in your life, you feel empowered. When Mordecai explained to Esther that God, listen, Mordecai had to tell her, God may have you right here, right now, for this reason. Once he made that clear to her, Like her, our hearts ought to soar. We resolve to be reinvigorated. A time comes when you recognize the call of God upon your life, and you do what God has called you to do with a fire in your heart, in the face of opposition, in the face of danger. I told you the experience I had with my parents when I told them that I was going off to Bible college, that I felt God had called me to preach. Hey, listen. That wasn't easy. For me, college was not easy. I don't think I could have done it as a single student. But I was married. I had yeah, I can't tell you how many times I came home and told her, "Start packing." And she go, "What?" I said, "Start packing. Get the boxes out. Pack everything up." Like, "Why?" I just failed a doctrine exam on the doctrine of salvation. If I can't pass a doctrine exam on the doctrine of salvation, I have no business being in Bible college. And she go, "Step back, take a breath. Easy." When we know what God wants us to do, we feel empowered. We're ready to go. We got to get on it. Sometimes that can be hard in the face of opposition. When your family's against you, when your friends are against you, when you fail a doctrinal exam on salvation. By the way, just so you know, I got it figured out, okay? Okay, I got it, all right? Number three, taking a risk is easier when you know that God is in control. Taking the risk is easier when you know that God is in control. If I perish, I perish. That was her, what she said to uh, Mordecai, she wasn't being fatalistic, she was placing her future in God's hands, knowing that even death is something that we can face with confidence when we trust the sovereignty of God. I had a young couple, when I was at Clear Lake, they were going to go into uh, aviation missions or mission aviation, I don't know how you say that exactly, but they were going. And they were going to the Middle East, and they were going to a country that I can't even tell you where they were. And they were doing humanitarian air flights. They were moving missionaries around. They were moving Bibles around. But they couldn't talk about it because where they were going was so dangerous. I pulled this guy into my office and I said, Are you sure? Are you positive? You want to do it? This is incredibly dangerous. I'm trying to be spiritual. I'm trying to to counsel this kid that he needs to rethink what he believes is God's will for his life. By the way, if you haven't picked up the sarcasm, that's not all that spiritual. When you start trying to talk people out of God's will for their life. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, is there anywhere safer than dead smack in the middle of God's will? Um, can I get back to you on that? Uh, I, I, said, I said, absolutely not. And he goes, I am absolutely convinced that this is God's will for our lives. I so said, praise God. Oh, and by the way, he's still serving. Still flying. And it has been scary. But he's following hard after God. And we need to understand that taking risk is far easier when we know that God is in absolute control. Well, Esther is willing to take that risk. So let me give you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. So, and I'm told this is true, and so if you, if you don't agree, that's okay. But I'm told that in the Jewish synagogues, even today, at the Feast of Purim, which is the remembrance of this time in Israel's history, that when they introduce the characters as they're telling the story, and they introduce Mordecai, everybody in the synagogue, Yeah, Mordecai! And then they introduce Esther. Yay, Esther! And then they introduce Haman. Boo! And and they they walk through the story. So let me me just walk through the book of Esther. And and I I absolutely, again, love the the imagery and all of that kind of thing. So Mordecai is at the king's gate. That's what he does. He hangs out at the king's gate. And uh, uh, every time Haman walks by, everybody bows down. And Mordecai says, "Sup, up? Uh, this may or may not be my own personal translation. Okay? So he won't bow down. Uh, Haman is just furious with him. And so he's, he's trying to figure out what to do. And, and he's going to kill him and, and all of this. And so uh, Mordecai hears about some guys that are plotting against the king. So he gets a message to the king, and uh, they foil the plan. The guys are killed that are going to attack the king. And uh, one night, the king is in his bedroom, and he can't sleep. Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, He can't sleep, and so he says to, uh, you know, the the guy that's there, his attendant, he says, go get the, the royal books of our history and read me our history. And it just so happens that the guy reads the history of when the two guys were going to plot against the king and it was spoiled by Mordecai. And the king says, have we ever done anything good for Mordecai since, since he's the one that did this? And they said, no. And he says, well, who's out in the court right now? He says, well, Haman's out there. He says, tell Haman to come in here. Now, Haman is the king's right-hand man. Haman comes in. And the king says, Haman, what should the king do for a man that he is incredibly pleased with. Haman immediately goes, Oh, he's talking about me? Yes. So Haman says, Okay, here, here's what you do you dress him up in the king's finest robes, you put him on the king's finest horse, and you parade him all around town. And as you do, you have somebody walking in front going, this is how the king treats those in whom he finds favor and make all the people bow down to him. And the king goes, oh, now that's a good idea. And Haman is so, pr- or, uh, yeah, Haman is so proud of himself, he can't really stand it. And the king looks at him and goes, now, you go do that same thing to Mordecai. Don't. What? Ugh, Mordecai hates that guy. So he goes, can you, can you just picture this? Now, this is, this is my warped imagination. So if you don't agree, that's fine. We'll agree to disagree. I, I see this beautiful white horse with Mordecai and all the king's robes on. And, and here's Haman walking in front. This is what the king does for those he finds favor in. You know? And he's walking him around town. He's doing all of that. And he is so angry. He hates Mordecai. So he goes home. And he's just furious. And his wife says, What is, what is your deal? And he goes, oh, You can't believe. I had to drag him around. That was awful. And she goes, Quit bellyaching. Listen, just go out in the yard and build a 75 foot gallow and hang him on it. Now, you need to understand what a 75 foot gallow is in the story of Esther it's a spike. Okay? And basically what they would do is shish kebab somebody from stem to stern and raise them up on this spike. Okay? That's, that's what that, that's the idea. So she says, go do this. And he goes, oh, 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 yes. It's a great idea. And so he's working on that. And in the meantime, Esther is in the back of the, of the palace where the doors are closed. And she's trying to figure out, what what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And she walks up, and she just stands there, and the door's open to let somebody else in, and she's standing there, and the king looks up, and he goes, Esther, come, come on in. What's on your mind, sweetheart? Come, come and talk to me. And instead of just going, here's what's going on, and she says, if it would please the king, would you come to my house this afternoon for coffee and cookies? Again, my translation. And, 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 and bring Haman with you. And so, you know, the king sends word to Haman. Hey, you get to come to, you know, so they're going to go to the queen. And the queen serves them coffee and cookies. And they, they visit a little bit. And the king says, Esther, what's on your mind? Talk to me. And she said, I, I, I just, I don't want to make this any harder than it is. But would you just do me this favor? Would you come back tomorrow for cookies and coffee and we'll talk? And so they go back the next day, and Haman goes home, and he's like, the king and the queen love me, and it's awesome. They go back the next day, and the king says to Esther, what's going on? And Esther says, there is a plot to kill my people, to wipe us out completely. And and I in again in my mind's eye I could see, you know Haman sitting there he's drinking his coffee eating his cookies whatever and and uh, uh, you know the king's like well, you know wh- who who are your people, and she says the Jews, at which moment in my mind's eye I see coffee spewed everywhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> are you kidding me? And and the king says whoa whoa whoa. Who would have the audacity to try such a thing? And she goes, nobody really, just wicked Haman. And the king is furious. It says he's so angry, like he goes out on the balcony to gather. Oh, he's furious. In the meantime, Haman, because they don't sit at a table, they they lounge on couches. He goes over and, and lays down at her feet, on her feet, and he's begging her because he knows what's coming, right? And about that time, the king comes back in. Haman's laying on her feet, and he's like, oh, it's not enough you want to kill her? Now you're going to assault her right in front of me? And then he's like, not I don't, it, what? Oh, boy, right? So, as it turns out, the king has already signaled signet ringed the order to kill the Jews. So first of all, he deals with Haman. And Haman gets to go be put on the 75-foot gallows that he made for Mordecai. But in the laws of the Medes and Persians, once something had been done, you know, let it be said, let it be written, so let it be done, right? If you don't, any of you people watched Ten Commandments? So it has been said, let it be written. Ow. Um, so he then sends out, he gives his signet ring to Mordecai and he says, write whatever you need to, get this taken care of. Mordecai ends up doing that. And, and the Jews, uh, they, they are not slaughtered. They, they actually, uh, kill everybody that was going to kill them. It's, it's, you read the story. Okay. But all of that transpires because she was willing to take a chance. She was willing to take a chance. Are you willing? Are you willing to fulfill the purpose that God has for you? And by the way, do me a favor today. Would you just go sit down somewhere and read Esther? It is a phenomenal, phenomenal narrative. I just love God's word. I do. I love those stories. And I, I see humor in those. When Haman has to take Mordecai out on that horse, can, can you just visualize that? Ugh, I hate this guy. But God has a plan, and God has a purpose. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but God has a plan for you. He has a purpose, and he's working it out. Trust him. Father, this morning, we just thank you for the narrative of of Esther's life. We thank you for the encouragement she gives to all of us who struggle, really, at time to time with a sense of purpose. Father, please help us now to look beyond adversity, feelings of insecurity, to see your greater purpose, your greater cause father empower us today to take joy in the place that we are that you have us that we might be able to serve you there may this be an encouragement to all of us this morning may we take comfort in the knowledge that you are sovereign you are in charge in control father take action to fulfill your plan and your purpose to which you have called us